BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper. And it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pocket, sprinkle some of that pixie dust around, grab your happiest thought, and fly away with me, your host Jeremy the Spider-Pan, as we take another flight to Neverland. We're packing it in pretty much this week with a lot of movie talk, mainly animated movies. I, of course, did go out to review a movie for you this week, and I went to see The Secret Life of Pets. And I must say, I had an impact on my uh, my viewing experience by the trailers that I saw in front of it. And I had a few things to say, and it did give me the idea, and I altered course on this week's episode on what I was planning to do. And I talked to Jason from DAF Radio. Uh, he's formed a new network called the Saturday Morning Network with Tim Nidell, our friend from Saturday Morning Rewind. But I sat down, because both of us are animation fans, and had a conversation with him to talk about animated movies and where we think they're going in the future. Uh, So that's kind of the main focal point of this week's episode. Uh, Next week's episode might be a little different. Uh, My wife is in a training right now in Rolla, Missouri. She'll be there for the next couple of weeks and typically when this happens, I like to travel to meet with her uh, over the weekend and, you know, go and kind of make a mini vacation out of it. So I might not be here next week, which means I will have to try to record something this week. Now, Lost Boy Eric has sent me some really great audio files, some interviews, some uh, some show audio and things like that, and I think I'm going to just mainly assemble what he's sent to me and put together a fun show from that. However, there is a movie to review next week. I'm not necessarily looking forward to seeing the new Ghostbusters because really the trailers have not been that funny. 
But, you know, I'm it's it's part of, I guess, our geek culture overall. It's something I remember when I was a childhood. It's not really Disney. But I figured I would take the time to check it out and review it. So if I get a chance to maybe see it Thursday night or something and I can get a quick review in and assemble the show before I leave, uh, preferably Friday, of course, then I will have that as part of the show. Otherwise, uh, I will just share some of Eric's audio, and you will definitely enjoy it. It's great stuff. He has a very interesting interview with somebody I had not previously heard of, but uh, it's really cool stuff, and he might even be sending me more audio this week. I don't know. He's He said he's got a couple of good interviews that he's been working on. So we'll see what he sends us, and it'll basically be some really cool stuff, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it, and it'll be great even if you don't really hear a whole lot from me. <laughs> right? So... Let's get started. I uh, I want to jump first into uh, our movie review. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Yeah, we're gonna be a movie starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken. Oh, good. Bye, Gidget. Hey, Max. Hey, Gidget. Any plans today? Uh, yes, big, big stuff today, Gidget. I got big plans. I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to wait for Katie to come back. Oh, that sounds exciting. Well, I won't interrupt. I've got a very busy day, too. <laughs> <sighs> Here you go. See you later, Chloe. So long, Mel. Bye, sweet pea. See you, Gino. Bye, Bye everyone. Okay, so, The Secret Life of Pets. Now, it's no secret to those of you that listen regularly to the Neverland podcast that I was excited for this movie. The trailers looked fun. I thought I was going to have a good time and laugh a lot, and it was going to be this great movie. Well, 
all the stuff that I thought was really funny about this movie happened in pretty much the first five minutes. Everything that I've seen multiple times with their commercials, with their teasers, with their trailers that they kept showing you was pretty much the first five minutes of the film. And it was funny when I saw it before, but that seemed to be all this movie had going for it, coming into it. And maybe I was already a little bit skeptical because uh, the trailers I saw in front of this movie, which I'm going to play them for you, and uh, they may, may have made me a bit skeptical, which is what inspired the conversation you're going to hear later this episode. Overall, uh, I mean, it was an okay movie, but it was really nothing special. I honestly didn't care much about any of the characters. Uh, there was a major plot hole of a character that uh, they, they don't give you any indication that she has any sort of crush on the lead character, Max, who's this little dog. Max and Duke is our two main characters. And then we deal with this other kind of puffy white dog that I didn't catch what her name was supposed to be. But they have, you know, this little apartment they live in, and you get like a one day's introduction of a basic day of what your pets are doing when you're not there, which I as close as they get is doing of what Disney did with Lady and the Tramp, where it's like a love letter to our dogs and Lady and the Tramp. And you see, if you watch Lady and the Tramp, you know, and you read, there's text right in front of the movie that says this is almost like a tribute to, to our man's best friend, you know. And there's a lot of stuff in Lady and the Tramp that's very doggish and, you know, dogs doing what dogs do, that kind of thing. And giving us a maybe a perspective from their point of view. And I guess that's what this movie was trying to do. And it sort of kind of did it at certain parts. But those parts are also the ones you've already seen in a commercial. Other than that, there's really not much more to it that made this to be, oh, look, it's Toy Story with pets that we expected. No, not really. And your two main characters are not that endearing. Uh, and there's, it's not really heartfelt, but uh, the Power Puff, the Powder Puff white dog that I was mentioning before, there's no indication she has a crush on Max, but all of a sudden she does because it becomes important for her to go on a mission with her friends in the apartment to go and find him, which I guess she's a building across the street. There's also a cat named Chloe, which you've seen swatting away the food bowl to go to the refrigerator. Uh, overweight cat, just kind of eats whatever she wants, kind of spoiled. There is a little bit of fun that I felt like I'd seen it before with a, a wiener dog that I guess his name is Buddy. Uh, they have some fun with the fact that he is a wiener dog dachshund. But it's stuff I felt like we'd seen before in Toy Story with, with um, Slinky. So, really nothing special there. Uh, then we have a bulldog who, you know, oh yeah, there was a fun bit with him uh, setting up a couch and his snacks and everything to bark at squirrels in the tree. But, you know, saw that in a trailer already too. And there was the fun. From this point on, it is a frenetic, fast-paced bit of, I guess, something your kid's going to enjoy because it's the average short attention span where you don't have to set up a joke. You just smack him in the face a bunch of times uh, and do it rapidly every, like, two seconds for a while where you're not really developing the joke and giving me a chance to actually even laugh at anything if I actually had found any of it funny. And judging from the silence I had in the theater I was at, no one else found that to be funny either. There was only one bit I remember hearing somebody audibly laugh, and it wasn't me. Uh, but, you know, I did kind of almost laugh at the thing that they laughed at, and I don't remember what it was. It was so unmemorable. I really was disappointed. Uh, I, you know, I've been seeing some people putting some reviews on Facebook that they've, they enjoyed it and like, okay, well, that's fine. I'm glad you had fun with it. I was disappointed and thought it was just okay. I mean, it's something worth watching, but I would not spend theater money to go and see this movie. I would wait for it to pop up on Netflix and then sit and watch it and let your kids laugh at it while you possibly get bored because there's really no heartfelt moments. 
The closest we get to uh, the two main characters becoming friends is they uh, get hungry and find a sausage factory to go and, you know, raid and eat all the sausages before getting chased out in what you think is going to be this fun chase scene. And no, it's over in about two seconds. They run out the building and... Yeah, but the overall story is here that, uh, of course, Max and Duke do not get along. They're always trying to find a way to be the better dog that uh, for Katie, their owner. And they end up strays. They lose their collars to a bunch of cats that they manage to tick off because they, you know, they've ended up outside, which was pretty much Duke's fault. And I'm not going to get in too far, but they've ended up strays, as you see in the commercials. Meet, actually, a bunny character that I thought... I was hoping it would be a bit more funny, but he was really more annoying than funny to me. I, I didn't like the character at all, didn't enjoy it, but he's the closest thing we have to a villain at this point. Uh, so and we're going to see that character over and over again, and I, but I just didn't enjoy really any of the characters that much at all. So thumbs down on one side, but also a thumbs up that it was at least something to see. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it entertaining. I mean, it's not a bad movie by any stretch. It's just not very good either. But now that I've kind of talked about my disappointment in this animated film, which from Illumination, who's supposed to be doing great things with uh, Despicable Me, which was good when you sprinkle it with a little bit of Minions, and we'll discuss that, I think, probably later. Let's talk about some of these teaser trailers. All right, y'all. One more time. It don't matter what you look like. It don't nobody gonna sing with me. Okay. The Neverland Trailer Park. What was father like? He was just like you. Strong, funny, and so handsome. <laughs> Mother. But you got your magic from me. I can fly? My name is Kubo. This is my story. Your enemies aren't far behind. Your magic is the only thing that can protect us. You need to learn control. Release! Do you ever say anything encouraging? I encourage you not to die. I encourage you not to die. Don't touch anything. He did it. Come on, this way. You got this. Okay, so this is Kubo and the Two Strings. This, uh, this is very short, but from every little bit that I see of this, it really does look wonderful. And this is by Focus Pictures. Focus doesn't do a whole lot of animation. I know I've seen something else by them before that I can't call to mind, but I, I think I have recalled enjoying some of their work. They really put some artistry into their animation, and this is stop motion. You only get a little bit of what the story is. This little boy who uh, can do some sort of magic that he'd gotten from his mother, uh, where you know he sprouts these fairy wings at one point in this trailer, and we know something about he's got this little guitar and... And he, I don't know, he works some kind of magic. It's, they're very, very, um, we know there's some sort of uh, evil entity that he's going to come across, but this still looks very fascinating. I have high hopes for this. This is coming out here in about mid-August, uh, and I am still, at this point, looking forward. I believe it's going to be August the 12th, if not the 19th, so uh, you know, keep an eye out for this one. This, I think, will be good. But now, I want to run you through a few teaser trailers of what looks to be just lame. Uh, it, it seems... Illumination and, and DreamWorks, even though DreamWorks has done some good stuff. But DreamWorks is coming out with Trolls. Uh, Illumination's got a couple of other movies here. Uh, one called Sing. 
Uh, but basically, when you analyze these movies, it is all about who they've cast in their parts, which are, you know, cur- current popular people, uh, and uh, a few recognizable pop songs thrown in for music that seems to be flash in the pan. Oh, we're going to get you into the theater to see these 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 actors, you know, that you love for. You're going to get to hear them do their voice thing and get to hear redone versions of these songs that maybe are popular right now, but it's not going to be memorable and something that's going to stick with you. But uh, here in no particular order are the other teaser trailers that I recall seeing yesterday. And cue the crazy old lizard. Good morning, Mr. Moon. I got Judith from the bank on line two. Actually, I'm going to have to call her back. My theater's been going through some pretty rough times. So, what do I do? A car wash? (laughs) No. My next show is going to be, drumroll please, a singing competition. Who wants to see another one of those? Everyone. Your neighbor, the, the, the grocery store manager, that, that, that chicken right there. Real talent from real life. That's what audiences want, and I'm going to give it to them. Do you ever feel, feel so paper thin? I'm mommy. Norman, would you please tell them what a good singer I am? Oh, yeah, you were great, honey. By the way, the bathroom sink is blocked again. Bye, honey. (sighs) In your mind, could you ever be really close to me? (gasps) Why are you pulling right there? (laughs) Johnny, you were supposed to be keeping a lookout. Sorry, Dad. Happy birthday to you. If I had a voice like Mina's, I'd be a superstar by now. Just singing, ooh, yeah. Sure you would, Grandpa. Now blow out your candles. (gasps) How are we doing with those flyers, Miss Crawley? Oh, good to go. This will be the biggest hit show this city has ever seen. It's a shot at being a star live on my stage. I'm here to win. That prize, it's mine. Yo, Humpty, you're really funny looking. That's all right, cause I get things cooking. Stay with me. Wow. Like the wind. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Look at her butt. Oh, my gosh. Look at her. Are you okay? Oh, yes, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? This is it, folks. You better be ready to work harder than you've ever worked in your lives. Yes, that was very bad. You've got to show the fire on the side. The fire went out a long time ago. You are not going to believe what I did today. Dad, I don't want to be in your gang. I want to be a singer. How did I end up with a son like you? You just gotta ignite. This show is not gonna save your theater. Maybe it's time to move on. You know how much this means to us. Just This stage is about to explode with major piggy power. about hitting rock bottom there's only one way left to go and that's up. 
Okay, so that was called Sing. And now I will play for you Trolls. Yes, it is indeed based off Troll Dolls. My name is Branch, and I'm a troll. Why do I live in a heavily fortified survival bunker? Because right outside my door lurks a nightmare. Named Poppy. Poppy is the leader of the trolls, and it's not her fault she's so insanely happy. She just never faced a real problem. Until now. Cupcake? Branch, we just got attacked by a Bergen. A Bergen? It took everybody. Dad! What's your plan? To rescue everyone and make it home safely. We did it! So you're going to scrapbook them to freedom. Solid burn, Branch. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, Hang baby, on. when I turn it on. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body. This bump. Whoop, gear shift. Okay, now being that I have just recently seen one of the latest animated features by one of those other companies, uh, and you've heard my review that I was not really that thrilled about it, and I've even played a few trailers for for some of the films that are up and coming uh, from various animation studios, uh, I have noted that there is definitely an animation boom in film. I mean, right now it is some of the top grossing films is these animated ones, and it may be just simply because you can generally take your family to these and not have to worry about any of the content that your what little ears in your family are going to hear, uh, which is a, typically a good thing. But I'm afraid sometimes we get too many dollar signs in the eyes of these these film producers, and the quality isn't there. Uh, so to kind of discuss uh, our thoughts on this, I've decided to contact Jason over there from DAF Radio, and also the new up and coming Saturday Morning Network, which was just announced this week. But hello, Jason. Hey, how's it going? Now, uh, you and I both came from the same area of animation, especially with the uh, Disney Afternoon. You're big on the Disney Afternoon because, you know, it's yes. quality animation, quality stories, quality characters, good writing, good creators. Yes. So maybe we're yes, a little spoiled because, you know, during the 90s you had 
great Disney television animation on t- on TV. You had a Disney channel that you actually had to pay for, and so the quality of what you were getting on that channel was great. And you had a Disney renaissance out in theaters of just high-quality movie and great animators like Glenn Keane and a lot of people, uh, as I've been kind of doing some research on my thoughts on this, finding a, a lot of these animators at that time were... Uh, kind of mentored by some of the classic animators uh, I've seen. They talk about Frank and Ollie being mentors to them, and uh, oh, where was the other name that I was just looking at? But yeah, but they were influenced by a lot of the people who were, who were known for some of the great Disney films from before. Eric Larson, that was the name I was trying to think of. But they're all giving credit to these, these great animators, and so you had all these great artists, and then everything's turned computer, and these artists tried to stick around to launch the new era of film and animation but something seems to be lost or is it just me well first off i I have to kind of deal with the elephant in the room and that's cg animation versus hand drawn Mm -hmm. Uh, and my personal opinion i don't actually hate cg um i was there like everyone else when toy story came out and i was amazed at uh at the animation that i was seeing on the screen i thought it was amazing uh to the point that in the late 90s you know i wanted to be a, a computer animator like oh that's cool uh that enthusiasm died off fairly quickly. I think my problem with CG versus hand-drawn is that there's no more hand-drawn. CG's just dominant. It's just completely taken over. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, and I feel that there's probably a lot of other people that might feel similar, I would like to go back to the way it was in the late 90s, early 2000s, when there was more of an equal you know, footing between hand-drawn and CG. Because there's something about hand-drawn that CG just cannot capture. It is impossible for CG to capture that bit of humanity that hand-drawn has to it. Um, Obviously, I'm I'm aware that uh, the process of hand-drawn has changed a lot to the point that some would argue that it's just computer a different kind of computer animation. Yeah, they're Um, they're doing their drawings on a tablet now. Sure, exactly, and and that's a fair point, but Mm -hmm. still... I just there's something about that quality though that it's just I miss. But that's not to say that I just blanketly hate CG. I just just to put that aside. Yeah. Um so, you know, now that we've, you know, discussed that, let's get into what I think is the bigger issue here, and that's story and that's character. Yep, that's definitely the big one. I mean, you um, can make a heck of a good case when you do a comparison like from the opening scene of Beauty and the Beast and just the beauty in the art that's done and you imagine it all by hand compared to what they can do with a computer where everything can look very realistic and by far Pixar I think is still making quality art on a computer and it still impresses me almost the same way as Beauty and the Beast but when it comes to story yeah that's where the difference is between what Pixar and Disney is I feel what they're doing in their level of quality and a lot of these other companies that are jumping in and trying everything well you know let me kind of put on my, my quasi-animation historian hat, and I realize that guys like Jerry Beck would totally school me, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a guy like everyone else. But I'm, I'm a guy that really loves animation, and I've really paid attention to a lot of the history. So I, we have to go back. Before I can discuss today, we really have to go back, because I really feel in some ways animation has come full circle. Um, if you look at the very early parts of animation so we're not even talking disney just yet we're going to be before that um we're talking the the 19 teens the the 1920s animation in its infancy there it was all gags it was comic 
comic characters, comic strip characters come to life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, for, forget the talking or any of that. It was just gags. It was people, you know, poking at each other or, you know, characters would become spaghetti or rubber bands or just... There wasn't any depth of character to these these characters, if you will. It was just gags. It was quickly forgotten. Um, unless you're like a super animation buff, like kind of myself, uh, most people today are going to be hard-pressed to remember a single cartoon from that era. You know, you've got your Gertie the Dinosaurs that people really talk up. Even Gertie, I think a lot of people would be like, what is that? Um, then we go to the Fleischer Brothers, and oh, then yes. ultimately Walt Disney. What Walt Disney did and what made him so innovative is he started to add character to his characters. Right. Uh, he started being a little bit more focused on story. Now, I mean, to be fair, even the early Mickey Mouse is really just gag-driven. Yeah, and <laughs> almost when you watch Steamboat Willie, you can observe that they're really almost just showing off that they have sound, and they're just all playing music and on different animals and stuff exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. I mean, to be fair to Disney, Disney was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. He was experimenting, to be fair. Yep. And I get that, you know. Um, but it wasn't just Disney. When you start having sound, that's exactly what it was. People were just throwing, you know, like spaghetti to the wall, just whatever sticks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and it was just, there's a lot of really bad animation. Um, and a lot of really forgettable animation. Honestly, if Mickey Mouse hadn't, you know, carried on to become what he is today, people probably wouldn't even remember those early Mickey Mouse shorts, in all honesty. Um but what Walt did was he started to infuse an actual character. He started to care about Mickey. It wasn't. It, it started not just be about gags. Now, when you get to his triumph, Snow White, that's all about character. Oh yeah. Who is Snow White? What motivates her? You know. And this is what started the golden age of animation. Um, so we'll just kind of skip a lot of eras there because <laughs> we, yeah. we we covered this. Now we understand how this works. Okay. Animation is just like any other medium, any other film, any other story device. You have to have strong characters. You have to have strong stories. Well, now we've come to CG animation. And just like those early cartoons where it's a new fangled thing and then sound, they're just throwing whatever sticks to the wall, honestly. And my prediction is 25, 30, 50 years from now, maybe even just 10, honestly, most of the films... Like pets, despicable me. I don't just want to point at them, you know, Ice Age, whatever. Yeah. No one's gonna remember them. No one's <laughs> yeah. gonna remember them. Even even a lot of modern Disney is kind of starting to not feel like Disney so much. You're just throwing whatever sticks to the wall. And I feel like it's not gonna be like a Lady in the Tramp, uh, a Peter Pan, a jungle book. Uh no one's gonna remember, no one's gonna care. Because Really, and this is just, in my opinion, the problem with Hollywood today, period, even beyond animation. They're not trying to make films that are going to last. They're just trying to make films for opening weekend. Yeah, they want to make that money and make it fast. Exactly, exactly. Once opening weekend comes and goes, who cares? Who cares? And unfortunately, the market is kind of what's moving it that way because now, you know, you have the choice of going and spending, you know, say, you know, you have children, you have a family of four, you're going to go to the movie theater and you're going to spend at least $20 or more on tickets. And then you might, you know, have to get some popcorn and a drink. You're looking at about $50 to take a family of four or five out to the movie. Or you could sit at home and watch Netflix and find something on there and you've only had to pay, what, $9.99 a month? 
Oh, I mean, 50, you know, I'm in L.A. right now. <laughs> You're um, paying a lot more could, than I am. It could, it could go to just, it could, you know, for a family of four, you could easily spend $100 or more for a day at the movies with your kids. You really could. Yeah. Um, obviously, not everyone has kids, you know, but, I mean, we're talking about kids' films here. Right. So or family films. I don't like to look at them as being kids' film unless they're no, just sure, not quality. No, sure, sure. No, no, I agree. Which I, I, I there's was definitely some story. kids' films coming out. I mean, when you look at what Pixar puts out, Pixar consistently has had great characters, very heartwarming stories, very emotional stories. I mean, uh, Pixar could almost have to be a cry fest going from delight. Pixar so far has not really disappointed me. Although, you know, granted, Brave was kind of, well, it was pretty good. It was okay. I don't understand completely why some people didn't like The Good Dinosaur as much as I did. I actually thought it was very endearing. I really did like it. I mean, Pixar, I think, is consistently, considering they're the first ones that made the full-length animated feature. But Toy Story, it may have attracted everybody to the theater because you'd never seen anything like it, but you enjoyed Toy Story because those were such great characters, and it was a fun story, and you had some quality actors in there. And when you look at what they're doing now through, like, you know, DreamWorks is still, I think, holding on, but Illumination, they seem to get the idea that, okay, we have to have music, but we're going to grab all these pop music hits, and we're going to shove those in here. Oh, and let's get some people who are famous at least right now, but we're not going to care about them given a few more years. But they're the hot names. And so we'll cast them, whether they can act or deliver a good character, they're going to put them into their movies to give you a right now money-making hit, but... You're gonna, if, if a kid sees this, they're probably going to be like, oh, that was fun, all the slapstick and everything. But adult can go into something like The Secret Life of Pets and be bored. Well, um, you bring up a few things. Let's kind of go through at least a couple of them, just kind of touch. Uh, the first thing, the Pixar thing, this is where I'm going to have to disagree a little bit. I used to be what, what someone would call a Pixar fanboy. Uh, then they came out with Brave and Cars 2, and I started... My my enthusiasm like started too. to drop. I know I'm weird. You know what? But but here, you know, I have a question for that. I have a question for that. Who do you like better, Mater or Lightning McQueen? I like them both equally. But you know, I'm a I'm a fan of Larry the Cable Guy overall, though. He's he's still okay, fun. Because so I because think that's what helped. Okay, from the first Cars movie, I couldn't stand Mater. I was more of a Lightning guy. Hmm. My wife, conversely, loves Mater. That's her favorite character. She likes Cars 2 better than Cars. So people I've talked with, we have this theory that if you're more of a Mater guy, you actually like Cars 2. If you're more of a Lightning guy, you like the original. It's just an interesting kind of a theory there. Maybe actually, there's some to it, I don't know. But I think I like them both equally because, you know, Cars definitely had some heart. And, uh, you know, I love the whole small, small town aspect. And Owen Wilson is usually very entertaining. And I thought he was great as Lightning McQueen. So I did definitely enjoy that character. So I think, I think though, for, for me, Pixar... The, the golden age died, it ended at Toy Story 3. All their films since, I just haven't enjoyed as much. Now, Finding Dory, I kind of liked the second half better than the first, but the first bored me to tears, honestly. Hmm. That's just my opinion. Uh, Good Dinosaur, I still haven't seen. I just It just doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so I feel like part of Pixar's problem also is their sequel happy. I know there's the news that after Incredibles 2, they don't have any sequels planned, and I think that could be a good thing. It could be, because um, I, I still think they're doing some good originals with Inside Out. That was a phenomenal picture. Although, I, I, I don't know if the kids would understand everything that they're going with that movie. I, I think I think that Pixar still suffers from a, some of the same problems that just general Hollywood has. Hmm. Um, 
let's just run, you know, franchises we know people like until they die, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, Toy Story 3. I thought that was a perfect ending to a trilogy. In my oh, opinion, yeah. the only sequels Pixar's done that it just have actually been better than the previous film are the Toy Story films. Now, that said, I'm not so excited about Toy Story 4. I'm just kind of... But you told the story. What else is there? To <laughs> you, see, you know, like, and I'm loving the Toy Story shorts. Those have been fun. And well, so, I think that's the way to go. Yeah. In my opinion, they should just do shorts. Um you know, they did a short for Tangle. I was perfectly okay with that. They did a short for Frozen. Fine. Yeah. I think that instead of making sequels, they should make shorts. That's yes. my opinion. But um, not anyway, looking forward so, to Frozen Two either. Despite so, you I, know. I think Disney Animation has been stepping up and actually has produced some quality films over the last few uh, years. Uh, Frozen, I wasn't. I it you can't deny it went gangbusters. I don't understand how it went that big. I thought it was okay. I I still love Tangled more than than that. But Disney has had some consistency of making some pretty good. Big Hero 6 was lots of fun. Uh, it was kind of a different story. Zootopia was a huge success. And, uh, you know, I thought a little preachy at times, but still a great film. So I think Disney is still making some good quality. When you, Especially when you compare it to what else is out there. Disney, I think, is still going to lead the pack. I, I guess. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> it's not my Disney. It's it's. I feel like it's somehow a completely different studio than the one I was raised watching. But, you know, anyway. And it um, is, really, when you think about it, because, you know, animators come and go, and you've got a whole new flock of creators uh, working, uh, which I, I, I wonder how much influence some of the previous animators have had on these new guys that come in that they do everything on a computer. Uh, I mean, are they looking back with how stories were tell, told with some of the other guys? I mean, and maybe that is why you've got, you know, like John McCusker and uh, oh, the other name just fell out of my head, you know, working on Moana. Some people who uh, are great directors and know how to make a great Disney film with them coming back in. I wonder if it's partially because, like, they want to teach the new, the new future animators and the current animators who are going to hopefully find a way to make the Disney magic from the past come into the future. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping there's that influence going in there that's going to just push them over the top. That would be nice. I mm -hmm. I personally feel that there is no more magic. It died. And I know that I've interviewed people from the Disney, that worked on the Disney Afternoon. I mean, we're talking 20, 30 years ago, um, which, which when I would argue was there still was a little bit of magic left. And these people um, consistently tell me that there was a couple meetings with, you know, all the Disney staff. And then CEO Michael Eisner, and you know, then Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was there, and they were very blunt in that and letting them know the magic is dead. So take that for what it is. But mm. anyway, um, that's sad though. I I think that Disney is more focused, just just like the rest of Hollywood. To be fair, yeah. they're more focused on franchises right now. They're more focused on opening weekend. They don't necessarily care if. These movies, you know, stand the test of time. If 50 years from now we care about them as much as we care about films from 50 years ago from right now. They don't care about that. It's opening weekend. It's box office. It's just business, yeah. you know. Yeah, and um, people do like established characters. And I think that, like, last weekend 
was a big, you know, big argument in the favor of people like established characters when you have Finding Dory still, you know, going gangbusters in the theater, and then a great film that Disney put out, BFG, which has warmth and heart and such great fantasy and imagination, and from a great author of children's books that were familiar with some of his works already that have been turned into movies, and that movie bombs the BFG, which I thought was outstanding, but nobody's going to go see it because it's not that established familiar character like Dory is. Well, I'm, I'm, I've got to say about BFG because we're kind of getting off topic a little bit, and <laughs> I'll come, I'll come back. But just, to, just to really quick, I feel the BFG is an established character technically. It's been it around is. way longer than Nemo. Honestly. Although I, I, I had never um, heard of it until they were making the movie. So. I think, I think that the problem with the BFG was it was never meant to be a blockbuster franchise, not like a Star Wars or a or a Marvel. You know. Um, what I think the problem with the BFG was is I don't think it came out in the right time of the year. BFG just kind of has this kind of whimsical, magical sensibility to it. Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. For Personally, and I understand the business side, why Disney is doing it the way they are, I think that this year, May should have had Rogue One, mm-hmm. that um, Fourth of July weekend should have had Civil War, and BFG should have come out at Christmas. That's my opinion. I will agree with you um, on that. Uh, I'm 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 shocked that after three Captain America films, none of them have opened up on July Fourth weekend. If you've <laughs> ever had a July Fourth franchise, it's right there. But right. yet, that's never happened. Three films down, and we haven't. You know, uh, Star Wars is a May. I'm not. I'm. I mean, I'm not. I have to say right off the bat, I am not, and I'm firmly against Disney Star Wars. That said, from the business standpoint. Star Wars is a summer franchise. What is this Christmas crap? Yeah. I don't get it. But BFG really felt like a Christmas movie. And people aren't going to films right now to see Christmas movies. They're going to see big, you know, action-packed, you know, popcorn films. That's not BFG. Yeah. That's just my my thought on that. Or but, sometimes not seeing those popcorn films like Independence Day. That was just basically summer blockbuster schlock. Well, <laughs> see, there, but there you go. There you go. That um, Some franchises people are still warm to, but others they're not. Uh, yeah. Ninja Turtles, <laughs> Ninja Turtles, which is a pretty established franchise at this point, it didn't do as well. Yeah. Uh, but it was know, a better in, movie than the previous, that's for sure. In Independence Day, uh, it really bombed you know we'll see how <laughs> yeah. some of these other big tentpole films tarzan which i think you could argue was a pretty established character at this point yeah a hundred plus years in um it didn't do as well so it's it's not it's not across the board franchises don't necessarily equal big box you know bucks right. the box office um yep. anyway kind of coming back dreamworks, DreamWorks um yes. I feel DreamWorks has been really uneven as well. Yeah. Uh, I feel that a lot of their films the last several years, and this is why they've had such financial problems to the point that they've been letting animators go, to the point that now they finally got bought out by Comcast, Universal. Right. Um, yeah, the problem with them is that, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, their their films are about gags. You know, In the early Shrek days, it was all like potty humor gags. Yeah. As they've kind of moved forward... The gags have... There are maybe not as many potty humor gags, but they're still just gags. That said, I personally feel that one of their strongest franchises is Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. I loved the first. The second, not as much. 
but I went into the third with like zero expectations. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, the third one was definitely so, getting back to the the feel of the first. Exactly, that's exactly. So I don't want to just come off like yeah. I'm all doom and gloom. All modern films suck. No, that's yeah. not the case at all. Yeah. There are some Which is that I why I have like. hope for DreamWorks. After I saw Kung Fu Panda three, I'm like, okay, see, they 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 have the potential to make some good stuff. They just need to to do it, but take their time. Don't rush things out and end up making junk because they're also responsible for the uh, How to Train Your Dragon, which both of those films have been outstanding. I've loved both of them so far. I think I think my fear with with DreamWorks now is now that they're part of the same group that, frankly, Illumination, who did yeah. Pets and Spickle <laughs> Me, I don't know what to expect because you know they want to make more Shrek films. I'm like, no, don't don't make any more Shrek films, please don't. <laughs> yeah, but you please. know, whatever. Anyway, so there's that now. To the last point that you made, we're kind of drawing stuff out here. Uh, voice actors. This is a major problem in the animation community, in the voice acting community, and I have personally talked to some voice actors or been at panels where voice actors have brought this issue up. The problem with Hollywood is when you're making a big, you know, blockbuster film that's animated at all, they're not going after the right voice. They're going after the right name for a poster. Right. You know, even Jim Cummings, you know, who I talk about a lot, you know, Darkwing Duck, uh, he's a major voice actor. He's been in a lot of things. He's still, you know, been in a lot of things. Some could argue he might be the Mel Blanc of modern voice acting. Um, even Jim Cummings isn't a big enough name to slap on a poster for a, you know, what they hope will make a billion dollars worldwide. So they're yeah. going to slap, you know, um, uh, like a Will Smith or, uh, you know, some kind of big A-list actor like that. You know, Scarlett Johansson, actually, yeah, because she was the voice of Ka in that Jungle Book film. Yeah, and um, she is going to be in this Trolls film that's coming out, too. Yeah, oh, I, I bring her up because that was actually a role that Jim Cummings had before that film. So instead of bringing really? Jim Cummings back... Well, yeah, Jim Jim took that role over, you know. Oh, you mean Hathaway. playing Pa in like the uh, um, yeah, an animated in yeah, the, any the old yeah, an, um, Disney Afternoon. Yeah, well, not just Disney Afternoon, but just any any media that the character Pa has been in in the last I don't know twenty thirty years. Yeah. Uh, so whether it's uh, an animated cartoon show like House of Mouse, or whether it was The Jungle Book Two. Uh, whether it's, you know, toys or whatever, Jim Cummings is the voice of Ka. Yeah, because he's the only one who can really match the original performance of Ka exactly. and of Pooh. Exactly. But then, but then we have a multi, you know, billion dollar film, you know, supposedly live action. Although I'm kind of suspect calling it that since like 90% of it was animated. But anyway. <laughs> sort of like um, the BFG was seemed <laughs> at exa- least 70%. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> And so, and so we've got this thing, and we want to sell it to China, whatever. Suddenly now, Jim Cummings isn't good enough. We have to bring in Scarlett Johansson. So, okay, nothing against Scarlett Johansson. I love her in The Avengers, but she's not Jim Cummings. That's just my kind of thought. But, yeah. You know. Anyway, that's just one example. There's a lot of other examples. And so, you know, they're trying to sell people on these big, you know, A-list actors. You can't even tell sometimes that the, the A-list actor, because... Their voice is just not right for voice acting. They're face actors, you know? Although sometimes it does work out, because when you do look at Toy Story, granted, you've got big-name actors that were cast as, like, Woody and Buzz, uh, but they were so much able to to put into the character that it they fit perfectly. 
And so well, some, you know. sometimes you get those rare moments where a Hollywood actor is cast uh, into one of these anime characters and their performance is just great and you can't imagine any other way. But there's other times that, and this is where I, I feel like Illuminations is very guilty of getting the names but not necessarily getting somebody who's really good for that character. And I wish they would have just gotten one of these great voice actors like Jim Cummings, as you mentioned, or, or Corey, Corey Burton, uh, Rob Paulson. You know, these great actors that only us, like, animation geeks really know and admire these people yeah yeah i mean i mean listen obviously what where this really started you know with the current infatuation with a-list screen actors was back with aladdin and robin williams yeah um where it's not fair though is that robin williams was actually an amazing voice actor yes he was um robin had this ability to kill it both you know as a screen actor and a voice actor not every screen actor has that ability, right? You know, and so Aladdin, a lot of its success was because of Robin Williams, and so a lot of studio executives took away the wrong, you know, messages from that. And I feel like it's now a symptomatic problem that they're dealing with today. I'm, I'm sorry, but Danny McBride is not Robin Williams. Just don't even pretend he is, you know. <laughs> but yet they'll stick him in pets, slap his name on it. Oh, Danny McBride's in this film. Who cares? He's yeah. not, you know. Now. That said, obviously, the whole big-name voice actors did exist before Robin, but it didn't really hit the fan until Aladdin. Yeah, and that's where things did kind of start to shift. Although I did Mm. love that uh, Princess and the Frog, other than Jim Cummings, I didn't know who any of those voice actors were, but that's also where I think their performances were so fantastic. You had great singers and just great characters. Princess and the Frog, I think, is highly underrated, but I think it, it didn't perform as well because there wasn't any big names on the voices. Yeah, well, I mean, there were there were obviously screen actors in that. Uh, right. right off the bat, you got Keith David, who... Yeah, but he's know, also a very talented voice actor, and I've heard him do yes, voice to yes. a lot of things. Well, so. and so that's the thing, that's the thing, you know... Keith David, again, is one of those guys that he's able to do both. Yeah, and he's, he's got such a great voice anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, he's got the skill set, you know. But see, that's that that's, kind of goes back to what, the, what I'm saying, though, is instead of hiring these actors based on the name, it should be based on their talent. Yeah, their ability they, to, to create a great character. Because voice acting is not the same thing as screen acting. It's just not the same thing. It's a very different skill set. Mm-hmm. So if you can't do if you can't do it, why are they hiring you? That's my feeling. But that's dollar anyway. signs. Yeah. Anyway, though, so less, <laughs> less concern on making quality as it is of making money. Yes, it's, it's very unfortunate. But you know, my my opinion though is I don't know. I think it's ultimately going to hurt Hollywood in the long run. There's yeah. You know, no one wants to talk about this, but the fact of the matter is, there's nothing that says that the Hollywood movie industry has to exist forever. You have to imagine at some point it's going to come to an end. All things come to an end. Will it be in our lifetime? Will it be 200 years from now? I couldn't tell you, but I would imagine that some of these problems, if they can't get it figured out, probably will lead to that final conclusion, if you will. So that's just my two cents on that. And it's even going to make things interesting... uh... As far as adapting uh, video games, where you have a lot of great, you know, voice actors once again who are bringing characters to life in a video game, and they're trying to now adapt those into film, uh, you have something like Uncharted, where the guy who voices Drake, if you look at him, he doesn't look like an action hero at all. 
but yet all of the performance he actually gets to while he's voicing he actually gets to do motion capture as well and so he's created the character of Nathan Drake now eventually you're gonna have some face actor and they may even get a big name into that character but it's not going to carry as well I think unless you find somebody who can really personify what has been established yeah well again it's there's different skill sets one does not necessarily translate into the other yep um, and just because somebody looks like the part doesn't mean they can deliver as well as somebody <laughs> who's been playing that character for years. E- e- exactly. I've I've dabbled in a little bit of voice acting myself. I haven't done anything major, uh, just like an ad here or whatever. Um, it's not as easy as you think. It really isn't. It really is its own skill set. And I just have to tip my head off to every voice actor out there that's able to make, to make it work because it, it, it really is... You know, its own skill set. So, I mean, anyway, that that said, kind of going back to the original point with the animation quality today. So, I think that another problem is writing. Yeah. The writing's just not there. Um, yeah, that was kind of a problem with uh, The Secret Light of Pets. I mean, it had some some story, but I, I really didn't care that much about the characters. And the, some of it's felt a little forced, like having a, one of these characters that I don't even remember what the name of this character was, suddenly have, you know, this crush on Max, which just basically was something to give her motivation to try to find them when they go missing. And But it's, it felt so forced that this, this element of the story was suddenly just dropped in there when there was nothing that kind of helped establish and help us to understand it when there was plenty of opportunity beforehand in the story. Yeah. They, it's just like they're throwing all that in there, trying to throw as many gags as they possibly can to, to try to, I guess, get the kids entertained, but they don't really set the characters up to where I actually care what happens to them. Well, and, and listen, listen, kind of going back to Pixar, um, in my opinion, again, when Pixar works, it's not that there aren't gags. There are. Right. But they're subtle they're not, like, lined all over the place. Ultimately, it's about the characters. You know, we'll talk about the original Finding Nemo. There were, like, a lot of really funny gags. I mean, there's, like, Dory talking whale. What is that, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know what? The problem with gags, though, is that after the fourth or fifth time, they start to not be as funny. So what's going to bring people back to those films to care if Dory speaking like a whale isn't funny anymore? Oh, it's the heart. It's this relationship Dory and Marlin, you know forge with each other it's it's marlin trying to to find a son it's you know him learning some great life lesson about parenting that's what brings people back to the film not that dory speaks like a whale no one cares about that anymore it's we've laughed over it like a zillion times Mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying whereas like say a shrek film if you will you know one of the sequels okay there's something that's funny there's some gag but once that's gone what's left right now you know, I think that's the problem with the writing of a lot of these films is they're so focused on gags. There's yeah. no time for character development. Who cares about, you know, character A and that he wants to do, you know, to find character B? Who cares if it's just gags? I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> right. And if you develop characters in, in the right way, your gags come from the character interactions. Just because of the characters being who they are, you don't have to exactly. necessarily hit a character in the head, although that can be funny. But just the situations you get these characters into because of the nature of who they are and the, the interactions between the characters, you've got a lot of humor you can put in there if you've taken the time to develop characters. 
Exactly, exactly. And look, I don't, I don't want to say like, oh, I know better. I've never written a film, so my hat's off to someone that's actually able to to do that. That's that's it's not an easy thing, right? Um, but uh, I am a film goer. I do know what I like. I do know what attracts me. I do know what I'm willing to spend my money on, and. Uh, something like pets is not it, you know. <laughs> yeah, although I thought it was going to be something because I was very excited for what I was seeing in the trailer, and I had some some good funny stuff. But unfortunately, that's all that movie had. Well, you know, and I, I feel like, and I don't want to get into con- controversial stuff too much, but there is this symptomatic problem in Hollywood. Period. I haven't seen it as much on the animation side. But there's this thing where if there's any kind of fan backlog, the studio people, the actors, the directors, they kind of bully people into seeing their film. Mm. Oh, well, if you don't see this film, it's because you're dot, 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 you know. Um, That's not how it works. That's not how movies work at all. Movies are a commodity. It's just like buying a house or buying a backpack. Um, They make a product... And then we as consumers decide if we're interested in the product. If we are, then they make the sale. They make the money. If we're not interested in the product, well, then they lose out. That's life. They can then decide to quit or to go back to the drawing board and try and make a product we're going to care about. That's how movies work as far as the business consumer side. This whole, oh, you have to see my movie or you're some kind of a horrible person... What is that? That's bullying consumers into buying something they're not interested in. I'm not so. I'm not interested in that. It actually turns me off to your movie even more. Yeah. When I hear a producer or a director or an actor start talking like that, uh, like I said, I haven't seen it as much on the animation side, but you know, give it time. Seriously. <laughs> Let's uh, hope me, not. That's another, that's <laughs> another problem with, in my opinion, with just films. Period. Right now, um, I feel like Hollywood has forgot its place. Um, Just because you're Hollywood doesn't mean I'm required to see your movie. You have to make something, you know, worth my hard-earned money. See what I'm saying? Yeah, especially when we have to spend that much just to go out. Because it's worth it sometimes just for the theater experience. That can be a lot of fun. Except for, you know, when people ruin it by having their cell phones out in the middle of a movie and stuff like that, because that still happens. Uh, Then there's still, you know, I have kids that'll talk in movies, because I go to a lot of movies that you can take your kids to, and so kids are going to talk, and you kind of get used to it, as long as it's kept to a certain level, you know, to where the kids kind of understand, okay, well, we're going to sit and watch the movie, but we don't want to talk the entire time, okay? You know, and kids, but kids will be kids. But you still... Have a great experience by going to movies, seeing it on a big screen, having a better sound system than you have at home, and collectively enjoying and collectively collectively laughing together and, and crying together. You know, going through the whole experience as a group, it's, it's fun. That's why we go to the theaters and why we still enjoy it. But it's just yeah. getting too darn expensive. Yeah, there, there is that sense of community. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the things I think that is why people go to the movie theater. Because yeah, you can just watch a film on Netflix or pop in a Blu-ray or whatever. But it's that whole sense of, you know, enjoying some kind of emotional roller coaster, if you will. Yeah. With complete strangers, it kind of bonds you with everyone in that theater for that moment. Which um, was sort of recaptured with Star Wars The Force Awakens on that opening night when you had all the Star Wars fans, really, who went out for that first day that had been waiting so long for this. There was a great sense of community that we're experiencing this all together. Well, 
you know, listen, again, I, I cannot stand Disney Star Wars, and I have no interest in that film. But that said... Well, you're a Star my, Trek guy, so that's okay. Putting... Oh, I don't even like the current Star Trek films. Without, you know, putting all of that bias aside for just a second, I will admit, I will agree, that The Force Awakens, you know, it just became kind of the it film. Everyone wanted to see it. There was that sense of kind of community. Yeah. We're experiencing something together. Now, what you're experiencing, well, that's a whole other argument. But, you know, regardless... <laughs> Films need to come back to that. There's just not a lot of those kind of moments. You know, movies supposedly on paper make more money a lot of the big hits than they did even 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. But they don't put as many butts in seats. Yeah. More people went to go see a film like Gone with the Wind or, or, or the original Star Wars or Snow White than they do your average blockbuster today. And we're talking about films that, you know, are how old? What's the difference? What's the difference? It's not just about cost. It's also about quality. Yeah. You know. And even here recently, uh, one of the local theaters, they do their retro night, and they'll show an older movie in in an evening and pull out something of, of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they packed a theater for that. I mean, because there were adults that were bringing their kids to experience it together, wearing fedoras. And, you know, it's an older movie, but it was, it's a movie of such quality. It was before Indiana Jones was an established character. I mean, granted, everybody knew, you know, if the advertiser says, oh, hey, George Lucas is involved. And, oh, look, Steven Spielberg is involved. But that's because these people had previously been known to produce a quality film. So that's, mm. you know, what would have brought people out to Raiders the first time. And this, because we know it's such a good quality you can pack up a theater for a movie that is over 30 years old and we'll still enjoy it all together because it's just that good of a quality film. Yeah, you know, I, I go to these kind of vintage showings every now and again. Not that often, but um, I've been to a few. And about a month ago, I went to a, uh, a viewing of the original 1984 Ghostbusters. Oh, I did that and one last year. I yeah, was. I was I was maybe a little bit pleasantly surprised, shocked to see how full the theater was mm-hmm. for a film that's what how old? What over thirty years? Yeah, over thirty like, years now. You know, uh, why did they come out? Why would they care about a film that old? Because it's still funny, and we still it, love exactly. those characters. I, I, I mean, <laughs> are people going to care about uh, films today? Obviously, the reboot, the Ghostbusters reboot, but 30 years from now, will people care about it as much? I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait till we yeah. get there. But And I do um, plan to see it just at least to review it. I don't have high expectations because so far it doesn't look that funny, but we'll see. Maybe it's fu- maybe all the funny stuff you, has not been put into the commercials for once. But, I mean, you, 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 <laughs> see, what, you see what I'm saying, though. It's, it's, it's these good stories. It's these good characters. I mean, this this idea is not a new concept. It goes beyond film. Before there were movies, when people were just telling stories around the campfire, you know, we talk about Robin Hood, we talk about, you know, King Arthur, we talk about Gilgamesh, for heaven's sakes. You know, why do we talk about these stories, even though they're thousands of years old, hundreds, thousands of years old? Because they're good stories. Yeah. We can identify with them. That's what makes them work. That is what I feel like writers kind of need to tap into. Now, to be fair to writers, I think the problem really stems from corporate leadership of the studio. Because the bean counters, all they care about is our 
you know, the fat cats on Wall Street that are buying, you know, the stock in my company, are they getting their return on their investment? Um, they don't care about, oh, am I going to make the next great Gone with the Wind kind of film? They don't care about that. Like I said, they care about opening weekend. So they kind of just pass the buck to these writers. Now, some of the writers really, I do think, are not that great. And I have to scratch my head. How did you get your job again? <laughs> but, you know, some of them, though, I think are really trying their best. But it's like they can only work with what they've got to work with. Yeah. You know, they're not allowed to create original stuff. They're not allowed to just try it. And yes, the fact of the matter is, original stuff, some of it's going to suck. Some of it's going to, you know, not hit, you know, do very well. But that's okay. Yeah. And sometimes it seems their idea of pushing boundaries, because you, you want to maybe try new things and push boundaries of story a little bit. But their idea now of pushing boundaries is to see how much nudity or how explicit the violence can be. And that is supposed to be breaking new ground. Like, no, you're just shock value selling me you're not putting something a great story on film that i've never maybe seen anything like this story before that's going to draw me to the theater and excite me and after the movie which rarely has this happen but go where you're after a movie and you just kind of look around at all the people in that theater with you and say wow we all just saw this like yeah e. I, I remember when, when i was a child at et and just the experience of it and, the, uh, and everybody is at the end is just you know <laughs> Takes that you know, collective my, breath. My opinion is, if shock value is really what they're going after, just show candid footage from like the Iraq War or Vietnam, or you can't, you can't top that. I'm sorry, you can't. Um, but we're not trying to. You know, I don't want to go to the theater to watch disgusting images of the worst parts of humanity. Yeah, I want to go to films <laughs> to be inspired. Yeah, I, I want to go to films to be inspired. I want to go to films to escape reality. Yeah. Um, that's another thing, and maybe maybe a part of the problem is just our society as well. Maybe this is not just a, a Hollywood problem. Yeah, it's unfortunately um, Hollywood is giving the people what they currently want. I feel that since 9-11, and what we're, what, almost 16 years in, um, you can't have escapism anymore. Everything has to be realistic and gritty and, oh, and you know what? Um, no, you can't have, like, an Indiana Jones anymore. You know, the last one in my opinion, was no more over the top than the first three. Right, and I, I still enjoy things about that movie. But, it's just the alien part that was like, what? Well, yeah, that was a little weird, but you know, <laughs> But still, it was still an enjoyable Indiana Jones movie. Regardless, though, I think my, my personal opinion, and I think this theory I have, is the problem is, is that we're now in this society where everything has to be dark and gritty and, oh, the world sucks. One major terrorist attack, and we all just fall to pieces. Yeah. You know? There are societies that that's just their daily lives, and yet they don't fall to pieces. What's our problem? You know? Yeah. And so now we no um, longer have a Superman that inspires us, like the exactly. original film did. Now we have Superman that's dark and gritty and fighting with Batman. And so, But I did enjoy that film. I will say I did have fun with it. But I, I, I want to have a good, iconic Superman like I used to. Yeah, I want iconic. I don't like the, the current one. But anyway, for me personally, one of the things that makes the Marvel movies work is there are some dark, realistic, gritty elements, I suppose, but it's been kind of softened. And the characters, the heroes, get to be heroic. Right. Even in Civil War, where I wasn't really a fan of superheroes thumping on each other, they were still allowed to be heroic. Right. They're both doing um, what they feel is right. Doing you know, the right things. Kind of bringing it back to animation, I know we probably should, uh, should start to wrap this yeah, up. definitely. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a an- long show. Animation, uh, again, it's the same thing. Stories are just, you know, I, I go to a film to be inspired. Kung Fu Panda 3, 
I actually felt was kind of inspiring, yeah. honestly. There was a lot of, it was a very hopeful kind of message, you know. Uh, they felt there was this in, immovable force that they didn't think they could beat. You know, it looked like, ah, oh, this is it. You know, even the Fearsome Five couldn't, you know, stand up to this guy. Yeah. Poe tries to stand up to him. He gets his, you know, trash knocked out of him. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't do this. But then the way he was able to beat him was his community uh, spoiler warning together as one. Yeah, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. But, you know, but but it's it's that, that sense of community. It was a very hopeful kind of message, I thought. Oh, yeah. Um, so the, those films, these hopeful kind of films still exist. I just feel that they're starting to become less than they were when maybe I was a kid. Yeah. You know, well, I still have hope in what Disney and Pixar produces. Uh, you know, we're, I'm yet to see Moana, and it really bothers me to see that people are already complaining when they look at the uh, the cartoon version of Maui, that somehow or another, because he's kind of big and looks a bit overweight, that somehow or another, that's some sort of racist depiction of Polynesian people. I'm like, come on, it is a cartoon, okay. it is supposed to have fun, we need to get over ourselves and just Whoa. enjoy something. That's another problem, and I don't really want to get into politics yeah, too much. Yeah, we don't want to dive too far into there. But un- unfortunately, you kind of have to at least touch on it a little bit because it's touched on animation. So, what yeah. are you going to do? Yeah, I think that people are too obsessed with the wrong things. Yeah, um, everybody's ready to be victimized or offended by something. Pretty much, pretty much. Which is another problem I think is with animation. You can't have a Bugs Bunny anymore. Yeah. They've neutered Bugs Bunny. He's just not funny. Yeah. When Bugs was funny, it's when people had a thicker skin. Mm-hmm. Today, you can't, you can't... I mean, okay, so they're doing all these gags, but there, a lot of them aren't even really that funny because they're just kind of soft. You know, they're not... I don't know. Anyway, um, with Moana, this is the one thing I will say about that. I personally know a lot of Polynesians over the course of my life... And a lot of them are pretty big boned. We'll say that. Yeah, That's e- not an, even the Rock, you know, is he's he, he's mixed, but he's he's got big bone under him, but he's just built muscle on it. That's it, it, why exactly. he's so big, you know. That's not me knocking yeah. Polynesians. No, 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 no. Actually, I love Polynesians. They are some of the coolest people you'll ever meet. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have some Polynesian people that live in the building. They're the nicest people. Yeah. Uh, as far as this whole controversy. I just feel like some people just like to be in the news. So there you go. But I mean, (laughs) you nailed it there. (laughs) You know, again, though, with with uh, Finding Dory, I'm not going to spoil anything there because it's still a new enough film. Again, the ultimate message, because there was this strong message of family throughout the entire film. Yep. um, Very positive, uplifting kind of a message. Very encouraging to overcome your own obstacles, that you are special. And and. In the kind of bleak world, in my opinion, especially because of 9-11 and terrorism, I don't understand why we're not just all rushing to go towards these hopeful, optimistic kind of films. That's what we need. We need this escapism. And yet society seems to be rejecting that to a large point. That's a whole other topic. But yeah. Because I know anyway. when I've had a bad day and I come home and I can choose what I want to watch on, say, Netflix or something, I'm going to look for something that's fun. Yeah, well, anyway, so that's just kind of some of my thoughts. Uh, yeah. I don't usually get to talk about this stuff on my show, so it's <laughs> Well, you can come and talk fun. about it here anytime you want to. <laughs> it's fun to unleash a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. Again, these are my opinions. I know some people are going to agree, some aren't. Yeah. You're, you're free to your own opinions, but anyway... 
uh, there might be more people that agree with us than what we think. You never know. Yeah, you never know. But yeah, I but uh, I think that wraps things up fairly well. Uh, but once again, uh, so my guest here that y'all have been hearing, that is Jason from DAF Radio. That stands for Disney Afternoon Forever. And it is now part of the brand new, just out, Saturday Morning Network, which I'm waiting for somebody to invite me to join it because I love Weeby Geeks. They've been great. I know the good people in there, but oh look, people that I interact with are actually putting a network together, so I will join anytime you want. <laughs> we are talking about it. We'll see what happens. Okay, but. so everybody keep your ears open if anything changes. So you never know. But yeah, it's going to be a fun network because two shows that I do enjoy have combined. I'm like, yeah, some people I do have fun talking to. So Well, yeah. you know, the thing about Saturday Morning Network, just really quick to kind of plug that. While the flagship shows will be Saturday Morning Rewind with Tim and Gary and DAF Radio with me and Matthew, that's not where we're going to end. As a matter of fact, we've actually got plans to have a lot of other new shows, um, including uh, a show that I'm really excited about where we kind of spotlight uh, different cartoon characters. We're going to start with Michael from Iconicast. He's going to have a spotlight in August and going for six months for the entire career of Superman as an animated character, if you will. Um, After that, um, I'm really interested in something like uh, looking at uh, Betty Boop or looking at Bugs Bunny or SpongeBob or Or Spider-Man, which, golly, I wonder if you know anybody who should cover an animated Spider-Man. Spider-Man, I mean, not just superheroes, (laughs) even like Fred Flintstone or, you know, the the Snorks, whatever. It's it's kind of wide open. We just want to really focus on major animation cartoons. Right. Because one of the things with our our various shows is we more focus on the real-life people behind the shows. So this show, we get to focus on the actual cartoon. So that's going to be fun. So... Definitely check it out, Saturday Morning Network. Um, there is a Facebook a lot of page available. Yes, there like is. So and we're going to have going on. we're going to have a website up soon. It might even be up by the time we put this episode out. I don't know, but um, yeah, definitely check it out. We're just kind of building this up, and uh, just like uh, the the writers of old, we're just kind of going to see what sticks and what doesn't. So, <laughs> but you're not just randomly throwing spaghetti at the wall. You're actually no, thinking about what you're no. doing. <laughs> no, we're putting a little bit more thought into it. <laughs> right. All right. Well, thanks for coming and talking to us. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello, everyone!
everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.